But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be ye not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That is 1 Peter 14 and 15, 3, sorry, 3, 14 and 15. Important to give the uh, the chapter there, but welcome back to another episode of Thinking Well. I'm Kyle. And I'm Tom. We have a special guest with us today. Um, the man I think I've known the longest in my life for 27 years now. He's uh, my father, Ryan Reeves. Hello. Hello, hey, sir. Man. I am your father. How are you? I'm well. Good. Thank you for having me, boys. Good to have you here. Absolutely. You know, when we first started this podcast, we kind of had a, uh, an outline of different kind of episodes that we wanted to have. And we've tackled a lot of what we call truth nuggets. Still waiting for that brand deal, Chick-fil-A. Um, you know, some of the other ones we wanted to have on were missionaries. We wanted to have church members. Uh, we wanted people to have their testimonies, you know, be able to express that here. So I think we're going to do that today. I think uh, we're going to have Ryan kind of dive into his testimony. Hopefully it'll be helpful to our listeners and uh, we'll kind of go from there. Sounds good. Honestly, when we first started talking about coming on and being a guest, I thought we might dive into something more apologetics related. So shameless plug for myself for later. Anytime you want to talk about evolution, I'm down. Next time. Yeah, for Next sure. Time. That's fine. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So what do you want to talk about? Well, I mean, I have the luxury, I guess, of knowing a lot of your testimony, and I think it's powerful. I think there's, you know, I'll let you tell what you want to tell, but I think there's powerful stories. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, I'll say it this way, the angel story, I think you should definitely tell that one. That one's gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. But I don't know, just kind of start. I mean, I know, I know, you know, you're, you know, I, I, obviously I know you very well. I know your parents very well. So it's like, you know, just kind of start, you know, your teenage years and just kind of tell me how you got here. Well, why don't I start a little bit younger than teenage years? Um, so I was um, so blessed to be born into a Christian home. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners uh, identify with that. But uh, my parents um, have been Christians a long time. And um uh, on my dad's side, I mean, you know, a, a long line of of uh, preachers and, and Christian men and, and women. Um, and, uh, you know, I think sometimes you look back, maybe when you're younger, you don't realize the significance of it, um, being churched young, uh, you know, in, in, in a gospel preaching church that, you know, teaches the Bible and nothing more, nothing less, right? Um, but uh, when I was seven, um, living in Casa Grande, Arizona, we, uh, we went to a small church, Victory Baptist. My mom still goes there. And uh, they used to meet in this old building that was like an old army barrack or something. It was this, this old torn down, broke down building. It was the best the church had, right? And I can remember, I don't remember exactly what the message was about. I was seven. And I remember um, when the invitation came, I was white knuckling the junk out of that pew in front of me, just squeezing so hard. And if those pews exist anywhere today, I'm sure you could still find my DNA in that pew. And, um, but I just knew, you know, I was lost and, um, you know, my, my sin, um, 
and was going to be my destruction. And I knew it. And I knew that Jesus had, had died for me. And I knew that there was an accountability to that Savior. And at seven, yeah. uh, I remember I remember the service. And I remember uh, making my way down that pew. Once I let go of that pew in front of me, there was nothing stopping me from hitting that from hitting that uh, altar. And uh, uh, one of the deacons, um, Ruben Martinez, a great man, he uh, pulled me aside. We went out in the lobby and, and just opened the Bible and that was it, man. You know, I, I met the Savior that day and uh, was saved and, and have never looked back, you know, mm. have known that I've been saved since, a, since a, a young man, you know. And I know it's not always everybody's testimony. You know, I work in youth and have up here in the church for many years. And, you know, some people come to Christ in their teens and some when they're adults. And, um, but I've been privileged and know the blessing of it to be saved young, for sure. Amen. Um, as far as teenage years go, um, you know, so I was always in church, um, always involved. My, my dad was um, a deacon uh, many years. Um, you know, so we were always up at church at the, at the building. Um, the church went through a, a building program to the building that they're in today. And uh, my dad was there. I remember him getting off work, working long hours. If I was home, I'd go with him. And uh, you know, they're hanging drywall or they're running wire or they're doing whatever, you know, always involved, always served. I'd be picking up screws that had fallen out of, you know, the workers' pockets because that's about all I could do, you know. And um, I, I think that I had this kind of uh, legacy presented to me that, you know, you, you're you saved, but there's work to be done, right? Sometimes it's physical labor work, right? And sometimes it's um, uh, sometimes it's witnessing work. Sometimes it's, it's teaching and, and ministry. And um, I, I was, again continue to be blessed uh, and privileged to, to be able to see it lived out in front of me, you know, from my dad. And, uh, you know, I think it instilled a lot in me and, and other great men too. I mean, I have a lot of uncles that were in the church and, and other great men, uh, like I mentioned, uh, deacons and people, you just see that they were committed. Um, and even as a young man, now looking back at it, you know, in my mid forties, I, I can have a better understanding of why they were committed the way they were. I, but I witnessed it as a young man, you know, and I'm sure there was plenty of times where I was like, why are we up here again? Like, what are we doing here? You know, why are we always here? Um, probably the way that my kids felt <laughs> growing up, right? Why are we always up at this building doing things? Um, but anyway, um, you know, we, uh, we had a, a pretty small church, um, not a whole lot of people in the youth group. Um, in fact, I think my dad filled in as kind of like the Sunday school teacher for high school, middle school, but we didn't really have, not like a youth group like we do here. Um, you, you know, we, we would go to events here and there and other, other stuff with youth. We had camps, that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, looking back on that now, I, I think I, I don't know if it was just limited resources or limited attendance or what it was, but it wasn't as prominent as what, um, what we tried to, you know, put forward today for our youth in our church. Um, and, and I will also put the uh, caveat on here, the the disclaimer that I may not also have a great memory of everything that ever happened when I was a kid, <laughs> um, you know. But uh, anyway, so as uh, as a young man, I, I'll tell you guys in uh, in high school, um, I don't know that I was as tethered as much as I should have been, like not really like sold out to, you know, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I, I think if I'm doing an honest gut check, and I've talked about this with you know, our youth and my family, but I think probably I was more concerned with popularity, um, relationships, those kind of things. Um, not really the spiritual condition of my friends and those that I was around. Um, 
Um, and so I think that's reflective of my high school years, right? Played sports, involved in what I believe was popular things. Um, all the things that seem like they matter so much when you're 16 years old that now you look back on and you, you're just embarrassed like that was ever something that you cared about, mm-hmm. right? Um, I've got a few friends from high school still that I talk to every now and again, and they're great guys and I'd love to connect with them, but those aren't the most meaningful relationships in your life, right? And, and I think anybody post high school understands that, that might be listening that, you know, there might be some lifelong friends that are built there, but most of your friends, if you're plugged into a church, I mean, our pastor talks about it and I'm sure you guys have sensed it too, but me and my closest friends are people we do ministry with. Yeah. You know, this is the inner circle, right? Jesus had 12 followers. One was the worst, you know? He had three super tight, close men in that group. And and I think there's probably some modeling to, to look at there. You know, as you think about like in my darkest time, you know, if something, something bad happens, who am I calling, right? Mm-hmm. Now I've been fortunate to have a bunch of kids. And so I've got built-in helpers, right? <laughs> we need to bury a body, call the family, right? And whatever, whatever it is, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, just name a, a place and, and when we're there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I, I think that can, like you said, I think a lot of us can relate to that looking back at high school years. It's just, even if you did, like you said, and like your background that you come from, I'm kind of the same, you know, grew up in a Christian family and all that kind of stuff. But man, high school, so many things just grab your attention that seem so much more important at the time. And you're right. It's you look back and you're like, and I don't talk to any of those people anymore. Like, I, I can't think of a single person that I knew in high school that I still talk to. Um, but like you said, and you look around at the friendships that we forge in our churches and things like that. And I mean, some of my church family is closer than my actually family most of the time, which is, I mean, that's no slight to my family, but it's just it's the bonds that you make that the Lord allows you to forge that become the most important thing. So I think that's good looking back at stuff like that and realizing could have done that better. You know, I've heard like the conversation, like if I could go back in time, what would I do different? And and I don't think a lot of people would want to go back to like middle school or high school. (laughs) Like it's a terrible time, you know, of just development and maturing and that kind of thing. But if I had to, and I had no choice, I don't think I would be too opposed to doing it. Um, with if I could have my mindset that I have today, right? Yeah. To be like a soul winner, you know, to be like really focused in on um, the things that don't matter, you know, mm-hmm. understanding that, that you just, you're not mature enough to know, you know, and I, and I think that partly, and we'll get to, you know, stuff that's happening today in life, but I think part of it being a youth minister is understanding that, you know, like, hey, the, these relationships, maybe, again, maybe something becomes lifelong. Maybe you've got Christian friends that, you do life with, and maybe some people are blessed to have that, but most of these are, it's, it's a season. You know, we're not promised that every relationship that we're going to come into, um, uh, into our sphere of influence is going to last a long time. Yeah. Um, in fact, some may just be days, weeks, months, you know, and so it has to be, it has to be powerful, you know, like there needs to be intentional purpose, you know, in every relationship. Some may be a lifelong relationship, but most will not be. Yeah. Um, so if you're a high schooler listening, you know, Think about eternal things, not just am I popular, right? Because at the end of the day, who cares? No, I think you're absolutely right. You know, a lot of the people that, uh, you know, granted, I went to a very small high school, but um, I don't talk to any of those people. I mean, through all, all the classes in high school and, and whatever, I don't talk to a single one of those. Right? I mean, the majority of my, my friends are members of this church, right, or are part of this ministry or the music ministry or just here involved in the church. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think 
I think you have to be careful, right, when you're looking at your past, because it's easy to be filled with regret, and it's easy to say, yeah, if I, if, you know, if I had the opportunity, I'd go back. And this is going to sound kind of cliche, so I'm warning you now. But those things have made you who you are, right? So, like, you know, yeah, hindsight, 2020, right? You wish you can go back and, and live more for Christ when you're 16, 17, 15, whatever. But those experiences, right, the reflection that you've had later in life, in your 20s or 30s, on that darker period of time in your life that you weren't as on fire may have, you know, ended the solution of that or the the effect of that was where you are now. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah it's and, a duality there. Yeah. And I, and I think in that context of that thought process, although it is very cliche, Kyle. Very cliche. Um, I think that... Uh, I think that you look at it, if you look at it through the lens of God's like grace and his provision in your life, you know, that this may not have been an important thing to me when I was younger because I was just too immature to realize the significance of it. Now in his ability and his grace and his love for me, he allows me to use it now to hopefully impact someone else yeah. um, that maybe they can pull that, that skill set and that uh, just that sheer desire to be a, a, a more impactful Christian younger, right? Pull that forward in their life, you know, as opposed to I have to go through the school of hard knocks and realize I'm a knucklehead and then, you know, eventually get serious, you know, like yeah. many Christians do, right? Um, yeah, but it's would, definitely, it's helpful, right? I think it's one of the better utilities of sharing your testimony like this, right? To save the pain and later the regret of maybe what we went through, what, what right. someone older than you went through. Right. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a minute ago, um, and since we're talking about teenage years, we're kind of in that vein about Angel, that Angel story. And so I'll share that story now since we're talking about teenagers. Chronologically, that's probably yeah, chronologically it falls in. I don't, Perfect. I, Perfect. There, there may be no other segue, so we're already in it now. <laughs> um, so when I was younger, um, played a lot of sports, swimmer, played soccer for a lot of years, and we were into mountain biking. We lived in Arizona, and we were... Um, Every now and again, we get the opportunity to go out and actually ride on a mountain. We weren't posers. We were right. mountain bike riders. And uh, one one weekend, it was a Saturday, I believe, and um, there was kind of four of us that played soccer, and we were probably in the best, the best shape we've ever been in our life. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not in that shape today, I can verify. Um, but we went out and we were riding those tracks, but it's supposed to be like 11 miles uh, through these mountains and kind of knew it. Now, now, mind you, just for the audience sake here, there's no cell phones. This is a time before cellular technology was given to civilians. Was it hard to avoid the dinosaurs while you were on the mountain? Yeah, you know, just some of them. The pterodactyls were hard. <laughs> what, what year would you say this was? Uh, this is probably 93, oh, wow. four, somewhere in that range. And um, times. Yeah, the best of times. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Well, we were driving, so... Yeah, 90, 93 or 94. And um, we took these bikes, four of us, we went out, and we're all in very good shape. Um, and um, there's probably a lesson here about preparedness as the story goes on. You'll understand what I mean. Um, but we went out, and we had some water, and we had four bikes and four dudes, and like, what else do you need, right? We're going to go hit 11 miles. That's like nothing, right? And um, so we started early, and uh, it had been an area that we were not real familiar with, but we were told about it. And this is uncharted for us, but we're told about this track and you follow these markers, very easy to follow. Let me, let me tell you, it was not very easy to follow. Uh, as the day went on and we were very lost out in the, uh, 
the deserts of Arizona and the mountains. Um, and, you know, like if you looked at it from an overview on a map, you're like, well, you weren't really that far away from civilization. But let me tell you, you can be very lost and very close to civilization. That is, those two things can exist at the same time. Um, but uh, anyway, so we had been riding um, like all day trying to figure out. We got turned around trying to figure out how to get back to where we were. We had crossed over at some point, I think, into an Indian reservation or something that was close. And we, we kept getting like stopped by fences and things. We just couldn't get through it very well. Um, but as the day went on and you didn't have much water, um, I don't know if you know how the body works, but you need water and extreme heat. Um, it, it probably affects your mental ca- capacity a bit, right, to make decisions properly. No cell phones, no flare gun, no nothing, right? And so we're riding around all day, something that should have taken maybe an hour to two hours, you know, all day, getting lost, getting dehydrated, getting hot. Um, a couple of the guys that are with us blew some tires out um, on some jagged rocks. Um, by the way, no tubes, no slime, no nothing to put in the, the wheels. Like we were very ill-equipped for what we had. We were we were dumb and young, you know, nothing could stop us um, except this bike ride. And... And so uh, as the day went on, like it, it was like sun was starting to go down. We'd been out there all day, uh, turn around, lost, couldn't figure out how to, like we tried the whole thing, like, well, let's go up to the top of that hill, that mountain, abandon the bike, see if we can see anything. And all we saw was just more mountains, you know, kind of a thing. And, wow. um, and it was uh, concerning. Uh, you know, if you've ever been in a situation like that, I mean, you can have all the confidence in the world, but at some point you start to realize like, hey, we are lost and this is dire. You know, there's no water out here. Um, we start to have conversations like, Hey, if I'm going to cut into a cactus, no knife, by the way, like how am I cutting into it? And what am I eating in this cactus? Right. Can I get fluid here? Like those kind of conversations, you know? Um, and so, uh, as the day went on, we, we kind of decided, Hey, there's this wash and in Arizona, it's like they have dry riverbeds called washes, just sand, you know? And if it rains, they're no longer dry, right? All the water comes off the mountains. They fill up and it's flash flooding. It's like dangerous, you know? And so we were, we decided, well, Hey, let's follow this, um, wash that was wide and we'll go down this wash and it has to lead eventually down the mountain. It's the way it works. And we'll get down the mountain and then hopefully come across a road at some point or some landmark, something we can signify and say, okay, now we know where we are. And so busted tires, you know, we're walking bikes, you know, it's getting late. The sun has now gone down. Um, no flashlight. We weren't going to be out there. You know, the of course not. Yeah. Why, why would we have anything? You know, we were, we were ill-equipped. And uh, so eventually we come to, uh, to this road. Um, we had left the two guys with the, the busted. We were like, Hey, stay on this wash. Just keep following our track. Cause the two of us that could ride still, we could be, you know, ahead and try mm-hmm. to find something. Right. So we took off and we got to this road, this, this dirt road. Um, and um, looking up and down the road, couldn't really figure out where it goes. It's dark now. No idea. Sat there for a few minutes trying to decide, should we go one way or the other? How do we let these other two guys know what direction we went? Are we going to put like rock, you know, markers with arrows? Like, what are we going to do? Like, you know, you're trying to figure it out, right? And then off in the distance, long way out, you know, we start to see like the lights, headlights. And we're like, oh, there, there might be a car coming. Let's wait here. So we wait in this truck, this old Toyota truck pulls up. And um, I, before I could say a word to the person in the truck, he tells me, you need to go that way to find what you're looking for and points the other, the way he's traveling, right? Ahead of him in the road, right? And didn't say a word to him. This is the direction you need to go. You'll find what you're looking for, right? And as I've told the story and Kyle knows it, it's like, I can remember the truck still to this day, the cab that was on the back of it, how the interior looked, but the dude had no face in my memory. I cannot remember what this guy, he was a pastor in the car. Can't remember anything about that person either. Right. Other than he told us where to go. 
And, uh, and we said, okay. And he drove away. Like that was the whole conversation. He drove away. So we start going down that way in the dirt. We drew an arrow in the sand and we started, my buddy Ryan and I started driving down that way. And, um, his dad been out there looking for us. He knew that we were lost. Like we hadn't been back. We should have been back a long time ago. And he found the car that we had gone in. And so his dad comes driving up the road like like a minute or two later. Like, I mean, within just seconds, you know, the, the, he pulls up and he's like, you guys okay? You had water, we're drinking, we're killing water. And, mm-hmm. and we're like, yeah, the, that truck that just went by, you know, he, he came up and told us that we need to go that way. So we felt like we were finally getting the right way. And he's like, what truck? <laughs> Ryan's dad never saw the truck that... No. That should have passed him. It, it couldn't have gone anywhere else. And so the other two guys finally catch up. We load everything up in his, in his dad. He had like this old uh, blazer, super cool, like a 68 blazer. It'd be awesome to have. And so we drive, we drive down the road now in the direction that we were told to drive in, mm-hmm. that the truck with the angels that you know, we had seen, <laughs> I'm convinced, we're, and we drove down there. And there was nowhere. I'm telling you, nowhere to get off this road, flanked by fences. There's, it's just shrub and brush. I mean, there was nowhere, no driveways, nothing back to where my car was. Wow. And it was like, he, he would have had to pass him. There's no way he wouldn't have passed him. You know, I don't know where the guy would have went, you know? And so as Kyle teased, that's my angel story as a high, high schooler that we ran into. My, my takeaway is, is that uh, messengers of God drive Toyotas. Because they're reliable. <laughs> they disappear yeah. easily. So, that's what it so is. Yeah. They can vanish. They can vanish. That's crazy. Yeah. Huh. Crazy time. So back to testimony world. Um, so life was kind of that way, you know, in, in high school and popularity relationships, not really. I mean, I was in church every week, but not, I wouldn't say taking it seriously, yeah. you know, by any means. Um, I do have one really good memory of a, a buddy of mine named Zach um, who came from a, a, a kind of a rough background. And he, um, in my seventh grade year, uh, I had this kid, we have eight periods, and he was in seven of the eight periods with me, except for one class. We both had like English or something in like seventh period, but we just had different teachers, you know. And uh, I remember telling my dad, like, man, this kid's in like in every class that I'm in, and he looked rough And uh, at that time. And sorry, Zach, if you ever hear this, but you looked rough. And um, and my dad had, had told me in his wisdom, he had said, hey, maybe God's put him there for a reason. Hmm. You know, maybe you're, you're going to see this dude all day long, every day for a school year for a reason. And, um, and so then I've invited him over and he got to know the family really was like close, like, like a brother for a long time. And um, we're still friends and we text every now and again on birthdays, that kind of thing. And, um, but I remember Zach, uh, we were at a youth event. We said this volleyball thing we'd go to and, um, other churches in Tucson and, uh, really powerful message. And he got saved there. And, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm not saying that I was a total dirtbag yeah. Christian, you know, when I was, you know, but it wasn't definitely as serious as it should be, you know, I mean, Truly, if you if you're sold out and you love the Lord and you're serious about it, I mean, you're you, hopefully you would have more influence, right? You would have more of your friends in church, and they would be more decisions being made, and you'd see because yeah. because Jesus uh, um, has all authority and all power, right? And He is victorious, um, regardless of our ability. So yeah. even so, even in my non um, serious uh, relationship during high school, still through that you know, a friend gets saved, right? Yeah. Yeah. God, God was still able to use you, right? When you were maybe not as close as you should have been, right? Not at all. Um, but I think that's great wisdom, right, from Grandpa, right? I mean, he's now gone on to be with the Lord, but, I, you know, he was you seem to always, always had those little nuggets of wisdom. Like he just, yeah, you know, one, one of the 
One of the godliest men I've ever known. Thank God for men, uh, fathers, grandfathers, or other men just in your life um, that have lived life and have learned the lessons and are willing to, you know, distill that down to you and say, hey, you know, there's a better way or have you thought about it this way? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, Grandpa was, um, he's, he was a great man, still is with the Lord today, which is awesome. I'm a little yeah. jealous. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he instilled, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of great character traits in me and, and, you know, and, and quite frankly, I mean, uh, we just had a men's prayer breakfast and was praying and I was kind of emotional and which is like every time. And, uh, but my dad was that way, you know, and, and I remember when I was younger, I, I was just telling Andrew about this when I was younger that, um, I mean, I can remember th- consciously thinking about it. It's like, why, you know, why are you so messed up and busted up here or whatever? And now I'm like the same guy, you know, and I'm before God's throne and just putting petitions out there and just yeah. pleading with him to answer or intervene. And it's, how can you not be emotional about it? Yeah. You know, you're, you're not that macho, you yeah. know what I mean? Or you shouldn't be at least, right? Yeah. You should be humbled by the fact that, you know, that our God hears us and wants to hear from us. You know, that's, that should be something that's significant to all of us. Yeah. I think that's, I, I love how you mentioned that, that one person that still stood out and you know, the Lord was able to use you despite where you were at, right? To yeah. be an instrument in his life to the, to where he heard the gospel and, and was saved from that. I can remember just my teenage years, two people, just random people that we were friends with in high school that um, the Lord used us as instruments um, to lead them to salvation. And here we are, you know, 30 years displaced from that. And both of them were, one of them was from Cameroon, Africa. The other one was from India. Their parents were ambassadors and military attaches at embassies in Germany when we knew them. And they both live here in the States now. Mm-hmm. One of them lives in Nashville and is like an active member of like this Christian Indian movement. Cause I mean, his parents disowned him when he claimed Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he's got a beautiful family now and the Lord is just using him kind of in this, like there's this Indian Christian movement in Nashville of like converted Indians from India that he's just a part of. And then uh, the other kid is uh, really active in his church and I think he lives in Houston. Well, he's not a kid anymore. He's my age, right? Hmm. But still like the the Lord just uses those little places in our lives where he shows grace despite our failures to other people. And it's just amazing how he continues to use like imperfect people to facilitate his will. It's probably a good exercise in, in all of our lives to, to be mindful of it, right? And, and to think back and reflect and like you said, in spite of who we are and our failures and our shortcomings that, you know, not only do we read about it often in the Bible, I mean, mm-hmm. God only worked with sinners because that's yeah. all there is. <laughs> Um, in failures, but in our lives, right? You know, we're failures, we're sinners, and yeah. and God still has worked dynamically mm-hmm. um, uh, in our lives, and and has been there. And I think it's good to reflect on that at times. You know, I mean, I don't, obviously, this whole this whole session isn't about teenage years. We'll get into more stuff here, but I but I think it is important to kind of look back on that and see that um, that God has moved uh, even when we weren't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, He's faithful uh, towards yeah. us far more than we've ever been faithful to Him. Right. No, no doubt. No doubt. I think it's true in, in our, all of our lives. I think a lot of people are just the most rambunctious and the most probably rebellious, obviously, during their teenage years. Yeah. So I think we all have similar stories where 
we can say, well, I wish I would have done that differently. But at the same time, I think you can look at that and say, I also have stories that despite my failures, God has used me even in those years where I wasn't really seeking him to start movements like Tom said, or, you know, to bring people who obviously you were meant to have a role in their life, yeah. you know, seven out of the eight periods, that wasn't mm-hmm. an accident, right? I, I think it's, there's a duality there, right? One of the helps for your testimony later where you can say, hey, newcomers, hey, kids, don't do what I did. But at the same time, it's a great message of, hey, despite your your failures that you're going to make, God can still use you. God will still use you. Right. The, the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit is greater than your power to fail. Mm. Yeah. So true. It better be. No, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, so when, so as, you know, high school would continue on, um, one blessed Easter morning, 1994, Victory Baptist Church, as a teenager sitting in the back, so rebellious. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to sit in the back. And, back row Baptist, man. Yeah, and talk and make fun of things. Yeah. Um, this family visited the church, and they had a daughter. Mm. And she walked in in this this uh, beautiful dress. And I, I noticed her immediately because I was a strapping young lad. And um, as it would turn out, her father worked with my father, and he had, he was remotely working for like a year in Arizona from Texas. His family was in for the long weekend or for Easter. And Christian guy, and they were looking for a church to visit. And so my dad had invited them. They were there. Um, but when I saw her, I was smitten, boys. Smitten all the way. And, uh, and I remember pushing my way through um, after the service to just make sure I shook her hand and got said hello, you know. My parents were out there talking to her parents, and I'm like, and I'm their son, Ryan Reeves, the Ryan Reeves. <laughs> um, and uh, and I met your mom, Kyle, on an Easter Sunday morning. Yeah, hey, I know her. Yeah, you've heard of her. And um, anyway, we started a relationship, a long-distance relationship. Again, side note for younger listeners, um, there were no cell phones. Um, there was no free long distance at this time. If I was calling out of my area code, I paid at that time the awesome rate of 10 cents a minute. That was the best rate we could get. And so I worked to talk to your mom, Kyle. That was what was happening. I I received a paycheck to be able to speak to her on the phone. That was what we were doing. We actually wrote letters back and forth because that was a more cost effective and meaningful way to communicate, you know, than now. So don't take your FaceTime for granted. The Lord has given you all the tech because he loves you. Um, but we started a relationship through through um, uh, letter writing and these phone calls. And um, we we started uh, um, getting involved sexually when we shouldn't have, you know, as teenagers. And um, but I knew I loved her. Um, and, you know, and, and we we just were not 100 um, percent at all on board with God's plan right, um, for his method and his better way. We wanted our way, you know, and this is the, the immaturity that a lot of, uh, you know, young people fall into, and as Christians, mm-hmm. we knew better. Um, but, uh, you know, we got pregnant in high school, um, hence one of your hosts for the show here. Hey, shout out to Kyle Reeves. 
Um, but uh, but we loved each other. We were young, and um, that that dreaded moment when I had to tell my parents, um, "I've got bad news," mm. um, and its name is Kyle. No, um, <laughs> uh, but I've got bad news, and, uh, this, and it was funny. My mom and I were just talking about this the other day when she was here. That um, she knew, like something was wrong. She could tell something in my my demeanor was off. Like she knew. And uh, when I told her, she was, I was wondering how long it was going to be before you told me what was going on. And just, you know. Loved me. Mm. In a way that a parent should. Um, hugged me. It's going to be okay. We're going to figure this out. Because I'll tell you that it doesn't always go that way. Yeah. You know, sometimes people are told that their lives have been ruined and there's not support there. Now, I will I will say this. I've got three older siblings who are all the worst. <laughs> you know, my parents had already been through a lot, you know. So, uh, so um, you know, it wasn't the first time they'd heard some bad news from a kid. And, you know, that was one of theirs. Um, but I, and I remember it was like, I was at a lunch break at work or something. I was just home making a, a sandwich. Oh, wow. Like the worst wow. possible time. Yeah. <laughs> you have to go back to work. So random. Well, and probably strategically like, I'm going to mention this thing. And I'm going to run out the door, get my car and go back to work, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, my mom hugged me, told me she loved me Amen. and, um, that we'd figure it out, you know, and, um, just good parents, you know, godly parents that, that realize that it's not the end of the world. You know, that, that God, I, I think my parents understood more of the long game that God can still uh, be honored and he can still win despite our failure. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe they were thinking through their own failure in their life. Maybe it's, you know, my, like I said, my, my brothers and my sisters and their failure, or my sister and their failures and just, you know, that, that God would provide despite yeah. what we would do. Um, and um, so... Jen and I got married. Your mom and I got married in high school. Um, that great, great February day. And um, and that was a weird thing because I was like one of two dudes married in high school. Note, not the only one married in high school. <laughs> <laughs> one of two dudes. Uh, similar story. Um, but uh, that was weird. Certainly challenges, right? Uh, um it's kind of a it's kind of a weird thing like when you get your your uh, cart before your horse so much yeah. you know and you know life just changes Kyle's on the way I was I was a senior Jen was a junior and um, we got married um, she finished up school through correspondence because there was no online that didn't exist yet um, and I finished up in in my school but um, Kyle came uh, Kyle came um, like that summer right after right after high school. Um, and I'll tell you that even, even just being 18, being young, uh, you definitely grow up, you know, when, when adult things are happening, yeah. you know, and you're not really, I mean, you're an adult, but barely, you know, by, by the term of an age, you know, I, I don't think manhood starts at an age, but, uh, life definitely gets more, um, serious and critical decisions mm -hmm. that you make. Um, but mind you, I, I think, you know, the, the, the story of the next three years is a story of, two young people, immature, being parents, trying to figure it out. Um, it wasn't always great. Uh, by the time we were 21, I, I you know, I, I think to some, some level on my end, 
you know, I felt like I had missed out, you know, on this, yeah. all my friends are doing, they're all, you know, in school and they're partying and all this stuff. And I kind of felt that way. And, um, you know, I won't put words in, in Jen's mouth, but, you know, I think she looked at it as, you know, she had left Texas. I mean, all she knew was my family, right? I was everything in that, that world to her. And, and we just, we had problems, you know, a lot of people had that seven year itch. Well, we had a three year itch. Um, and it was bad. And we, and we, we got to a place where, we actually separated for a short period of time, um, three years, something like that, or wow. three, sorry, three months, <laughs> not three years. I was going to say, yeah, gonna say oh. I don't remember it going down that <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, three months. Three years doesn't sound like a short period. And, uh, you know, at the end of that three months, God had convicted me so much, so deeply that there was like no turning back. I was going down a path of, you know, living this life, quote unquote, air quoting here of what I thought was important, but it really wasn't. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I can remember, and I'm sure I've told you this story, Kyle, but I can remember lying in bed, not being able to sleep. Like, and I'm telling you, it's a God thing. He would not let me go to sleep. And I was just being convicted so hard about where I was and where we were going. And, and, and I think there was this kind of weighted gravity, this knowledge that came in that I realized, like, if I don't immediately make a change, um, that I can't go back. Like, it's going to end that yeah. capability, that possibility. My wife is going to be raising my son in Texas. I'm going to be here in Arizona. Um, I will probably just work my way away from the Lord. My life is going to be terrible and uh, without great purpose. Um, definitely not the purpose God designed for it. Not that he couldn't redeem it, but it was going to be a, a whole different skew of uh, nowhere near God's will for my life. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and, and I remember, honestly, Kyle, like, like thinking about what was going to happen to you um, and the idea that maybe your mom and I would divorce and, and then you would be raised by somebody else and we would become distant. And the, the idea of it destroyed me. Um, and I remember reaching out to your mom. She was in Texas already. I was in Arizona saying, hey, I know that I've messed up and I don't know that you'll take me back, um, but I'm going to come out there. And I quit my job and I loaded up everything that I could in my car and I just left and just drove to Texas knowing full well that I might arrive at Pop's house, you know, your Pop. To a shotgun? Yeah, and he might shoot me in the face, right? Like, like you, know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Um, but but it, here's what I did know. I know that the conviction was greater than my fear of what the other side could be. Hmm. And, um, and I drove all night and uh, got out there. And um, through the grace of God, um, you know, your mom was willing to try um, and uh, we went through some counseling and we lived in Texas for a while at that time and um, just really, really leaned just deeper into our relationship with, with Jesus, right? With, with Christ who, who loved us and despite our failure in high school would, would take our marriage and make it stronger and better the, the closer we would get to him, like that old triangular uh, analogy, he's at the top, we're at the bottom corners, and the closer we get to him on the triangle, the closer we are to, to each other. And, and it's cliche and simplified, but it's true. It, it is true. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we mended that thing. And, and again, just in a way that God can do, he, he, can, he can take broken people and, and put them back together. Yeah. And he can take broken relationships and mend them in a way that, that you can only look back and say, God did that. 
Um, I, I, it was not in my capability. My capability was destruction, mm-hmm. right? My capability was chaos, um, but God could step in and, and make something great um, out of my worst um, and, and pray, and, and hey, praise his name, the Almighty, that he did it, right? Amen. And that, you know, he, he gave uh, willing hearts um, that, that could work on putting it back together and, um, and thank God for that. I mean, honestly. It's like my favorite combination of two words, but God. Yeah. <laughs> Every single time, but God, but God. Um, yeah, it's amazing what he can pull together out of our mess. Because he doesn't have to worry about whether or not it's our mess. He can get glory in any situation as long as we realize, hey, hang on. If I can stop this situation, repair my relationship with him, I can repair all the other relationships in my life. Um, Yeah. But God, my favorite. Okay, we're going to press a pause button right here. We've heard the first part of the uh, the testimony that we've heard from uh, Brother Ryan Reeves. We're going to go ahead and split this up. Uh, we don't want y'all to miss anything. We didn't want to kind of cut things out that were very pertinent to the testimony that I think would be very beneficial for everybody. So we will wrap this up next week. Make sure to join us. You're not going to want to miss the second part of it. Um, we'll see you next.